So thank you so much um, for being with me here today, Emma. And um, I just like as a preliminary question to ask kind of what is the message of Just Stop Oil and how is the organization working to implement this? Yeah, so the, the message is um, it's quite simple because, um, you know, I think with the climate crisis, we know a lot of the solutions. We know what we need to do. But it's just not happening. So that's why the campaign is called Just Stop Oil. And our aim is to stop all new licensing and consents for like the new exploration and drilling of like new oil and gas projects in the North Sea. Um, so that's our aim. Um, and we're working through direct action to put pressure on the government and also to raise this issue in the public consciousness to make it unacceptable for the UK to keep approving new fossil fuel projects. I've seen that a lot of the kind of backlash that you've got is particularly within the UK's sphere is about the cost of living. Can you just put Just Stop Oil into and its work into the global sphere and particularly in how direct action against the UK government can facilitate kind of alleviation of the climate crisis globally as opposed to just seeing kind of the downsides within the UK? Definitely so. Like, I live in Glasgow and we had COP26 here last year and seeing the, the talk and the promises that were made and then seeing the actions of our government, I think that's what convinced me that, that our actions within the UK right now are really proportionate and really necessary because we've got a government that is ignoring its own like climate change committee, its own advisors, it's ignoring the recommendations of the UN, the International Energy Agency. And I think it's just really damaging, especially as the UK is, you know, birthplace of the Industrial Revolution, the, you know, huge colonial power back in the day. Um, it's exacerbated so many of these problems. It's the sixth biggest historical emitter. And not only are the new oil and gas fields obviously damaging to the to the climate going to take us away above 1.5 degrees. Um, but even just the message that that sends out, I think to, to all of the other countries, if the UK can't even do it, then like, how can the rest of the world tackle these problems? I think we don't have any excuse here in the UK. We're not a country with a, um, that relies heavily on uh, coal, for example, you know, um, and that has huge kind of, well, we, ha we have huge inequalities, but not in terms of those, those energy uses. So I think we really don't have an excuse. And, and that's why it's so important that the UK takes the lead on this, because not only is it, yeah, incredibly um, responsible, but it also needs to be showing leadership since having COP. And how do you think that the UK has acted in this COP27 at the moment, whilst before whilst it's still going on. I mean, I feel like we couldn't have a worse government. <laughs> We've had about three prime ministers in about five minutes. Um, our politics is just not working for people generally. I think British people are seeing that with the cost of living crisis that we have at the moment. Do you think that the climate crisis is being sacrificed because of the political instability that, that we're facing at the moment? I think our government is deliberately pushing aside the climate crisis. I think actually the only way out of our economic living crisis mess is to tackle the climate crisis because the solutions are the same. But we have a government that's ideologically opposed to making things better for people. 
and they prefer to focus on nonsense culture war stuff than actually on policies that are going to improve the situation. So but why is it? I mean, I struggle. I do believe that there are a lot of kind of um, there's a lot of greed and and personal um, kind of intentions within a lot of the political leaders. But I don't think that they are all kind of out there for themselves. And so why is it? would you say for kind of like moderate political leaders or even kind of moderate like UK citizens um, that there is less, that there's hesitancy to take kind of radical action? I think there's a, there's a barrier to people accepting this because if we accept it, we, the asks of us like individually and politically and like structurally are so huge that there's a real barrier to to even go there if you know what I mean so I think like politically we do have like for example the Labour Party has now come out um with basically in support of our demands not actually supporting us obviously they say we should be locked up but they agree that we should have no new fossil fuel licenses so there are there are um yeah. a lot of even within the Conservative Party but the leadership is so um against rocking the boat and upsetting their interests i think i think it is true that it it does require us to understand that the way that we've been doing things is wrong and i think there's a real lack of like acceptance in wanting to do that and just stop oil has kind of been in the media a lot because of these radical actions being taken and how would you kind of justify them I mean, I know that it's been criticised a lot for the kind of incidents on the roads and things. Um, but, and as a follow on from that, how would you, what would you say to someone who was not prepared to take these radical actions, but still wanted to contribute? Is there a space within Just Stop Oil for them or perhaps in another organisation? Yeah, so um, I think for me, like the, the actions are proportionate to the crisis that we face. I went on the marches and I still go on marches because I think it's important to show support, but that just doesn't, that's just not proportionate right now to the problems that we face and the huge um, barriers that we face to achieving those solutions, like politically um, and structurally. Um, and I have a friend that um, was working with us, like was, was supporting us um, and then went to do a um, master's in environmental law in Oxford, actually. And he was reading one of the, like one of the really important texts. And it said that they can do all these international treaties, they can do this sort of legal work, but without sudden shocks that galvanize the public and an evangelical awakening that pushes the need for change, that is not gonna achieve anything. So having actions that are within the public sphere, having things that really, um, push the conversation and highlight it I think are really necessary even if that's and I know that the word alienation has been used a lot recently and do you believe that people are being alienate, alienated by Just Stop Oil and is that kind of is a significant number and is it important mm, um so I think we're trying to shift the Overton window we're trying to shift the the perception of how important this is and I think when people see people taking more radical action, it shows that it's more important. You know, it's not something that we can ignore because a lot of us, unfortunately, in the UK is still completely ignoring the issue um, or just kind of worrying about it on our own rather than doing something visible about it. Um, I think 
there's an interesting part where in all social movements, like that initial action is, is quite shocking, but it becomes more acceptable um, as we understand the threat. So for example, Extinction Rebellion or even the Fridays for Future um, campaign, I remember seeing people be like, they, the kids shouldn't be off school. That's outrageous, you know, but now we think, now the, the conversation has shifted and that seems completely acceptable. But to what lengths do you think that you will have to go or kind of climate activists will have to go if then soon blocking kind of roads will then be acceptable within a year's time or two years time? Mm. To what lengths and, and where, where do you stop? Well, I think it's not just obviously about shifting what's acceptable, it's about then shifting what's unacceptable as well. So climate um, anxiety is like at an all time peak. Majority of the British public want to see action on the climate and they want to, you know, and they're worried about it. So I think those two things, those two movements were really successful getting it declared. And what we're trying to do now is get people to see the link between policy, because people want action on the climate, but it's linked to policy people are worried about the climate but so what we're trying to do is make that connection so people start holding the government to account on the government's decision so it's not that we need to take like increasingly crazy action and it is also at the same time like we get labeled as really extreme it's like there are huge delays on the m25 every five minutes the dartford bridge is shut down for high winds like several times a year that it really actually isn't that radical yeah and talking about kind of holding the government to accountable does just stop oil have a kind of strategic solution that they would propose that that kind of would would see this transition happen yeah we have like a whole like uh policy document because i think that's the bizarre thing right now is that the, the policies are there but they're just not being implemented so we're saying no to new oil and gas fields we're not saying to shut down all the ones that we already have and we know from the government's own statistics that they have eight years left in reserves in the oil and gas fields that we already have and that needs to be the amount that needs to be the amount of time it could even last longer if we have more energy efficiency measures but that needs to be the time that we use to transition our energy system um so that we are decarbonized by 2030 like that is what we propose. And the UK has an incredible amount of potential in renewable energy. We're an island, a windy island. Um, so we we would argue that that, is, that needs to be the solution. Um, and renewable energy is nine times cheaper. It's so quick to come online as well, um, like solar and wind. So, um, and we have people who are supporters of Just Stop Oil that are doing PhDs in like green hydrogen and um, renewable energy. And they've decided wow. to pause that because they know that they have the solutions and capability, but the money is not, and the resources are not being plowed into those solutions. We're still uh, subsidizing the fossil fuel industry. So that's, we do actually want the solutions, but we want to sort of stop and be like, look, we can't do this. Now let's look, because unfortunately the conversation still is, about can we do this and it's no like we absolutely have to do this let's just agree we're going to do this and then we can work out how with all the amazing like people and technologies that we have I guess yeah and that's amazing that you've kind of like been able to kind of have all of this support in creating this policy um but it's not just necessarily about energy mm -hmm. and oil is in everything 
um, you know, from fertilizer to kind of roads made from asphalt and kind of like, how would you almost um, rebuild roads and things without oil? And I'm not, again, saying that I'm completely in support for kind of more fossil fuels and things, but oil is really central to kind of on a global scale civilization mm -hmm. and how, I mean, can we even imagine a world without it in which there will be kind of minimized suffering um in that transition yeah i mean we would argue that like um it's like the, the burning of oil you know that, that maybe we could use oil in certain projects but it's the burning of oil that is and it's such a waste of oil as well to just burn it for energy um and we we have to imagine a world without oil because a world with oil we're not going to have a world anyway so um i think it's also thinking about there are some things that are going to be really tricky and really difficult to work out, but there are some things that are very simple. Like, do we actually want everything to be wrapped in plastic anyway? You know, like, yeah. do we all of the the uh, the products and the things that we use to um, oil for? Some of them, I think, might not be necessary. Other things, there are already other solutions for, um, and I think that. There, yeah, there, there's an amazing amount of research being done and there are other solutions. And we also have to think about how we're using resources anyway and whether we are kind of taking our fair share. Mm. Um, and I kind of wanted to switch to ask you about the role of art within climate activism, because this is something really fascinating about Just Stop All is the way that, you know, there's nothing more shocking than throwing soup at a Van Gogh. Um, and Suella Braverman, our lovely Home Secretary kind of said a couple of days ago that it's not the human right to vandalise art. And what is your response to that? Um, well, first of all, um, I don't know if she's, I mean, well, I find it very, very difficult with this group of people to understand if they, if they don't understand or if they're just um, immoral people. I mean, maybe it's a bit of both. But first of all, the painting wasn't even vandalized. There was no damage done to it. Um, there was a piece of glass over it. So I find it really interesting, the amount of outrage and shock that we feel when something precious is being threatened compared to, you know, millions of people for suffering and dying because of the climate emergency. You know, like, what do we find acceptable? Do we find it acceptable that huge areas of the world are gonna become uninhabitable. Their culture's completely lost, their people having to move, their livelihoods, their land lost. Like that to me should be more shocking. There's a real emotional disconnect to what is important and, and what is happening. Why, why do you think the UK and, and maybe even kind of the West or, or, or kind of majority contributors to climate change countries um, are desensitized to this, you know, or, or is there not enough um, of kind of people being severely exposed or kind of harshly exposed to the actual realities of climate change? I mean, the stats about Pakistan were kind of spread in the media, but I feel like there wasn't really that large of a kind of visceral reaction to it. Is it just kind of a, a privileged bubble in which we're existing in or people just don't care? I think my, my uncle calls it um, that we've got a case of affluenza, like we're too comfortable that it's making us a bit sick in terms of like morally not caring about other people. Um, 
and that that's I'm not when I say that I'm not referring to the people in the UK that are in fuel poverty and that can't you know don't know how they're going to feed their children because obviously that's another level where that takes precedence over something that seems completely overwhelming but I do think people have kind of gone from not knowing about climate catastrophe to immediately being completely defeatist and I think being defeatist is a is a privilege because it's fine it's fine to say you don't care but we will care we will care when our homes are flooded or when there's there's not enough food to eat we will care then and I think I have a, a um an idea that there's this fatalism that human beings are bad and maybe it comes from a bit of this feeling of guilt that we probably have and and there's this painting of all of humanity with the same brush like it's human beings that are bad we are somehow vermin that deserve to be wiped out and i think that's interesting that that is happening in the western privileged countries because i think deep down human beings know that it's not fair that we have this hugely unequal global society but i think that yeah i i think that it's completely misplaced and it's wrong because it's not human beings that are bad it's the structures that we've created and um and you know there are plenty of people that were going about their lives not contributing terribly to this problem yeah it's just how can these structures change or begin to change because in order to alleviate the climate crisis and and even the current you know one in anticipation of what's to come but what is currently happening there has to be huge like monumental structural shifts mm. and is the world prepared for that can be like can that be done i think it can because I think it always seems unimaginable until it's done. So even the, the day of the Berlin Wall falling, the journalists were writing an article saying it would never happen. You never know when these social tipping points will occur. And I think our role like within the UK and, and everywhere, even within our own jobs, is, is to, to be less afraid, to be less afraid of calling things out, to be less afraid of, of rocking the boat. And how I see like activism, but any kind of action people are taking is we have this brick wall and the brick wall is the um the structures and the systems that we're against the fossil fuel companies the governments the industries and we're there throwing stones at this wall and it just feels like we're never going to get anywhere but then people have been throwing stones for decades and we never know what the stone is that's going to break through so that's why we just have to keep trying sounds very exciting so that is cause for optimism I think so. I think optimism comes from action, like because then you see how much disruption or how much, how many, how much problems like a very small amount of people can cause to a system because the systems operate by us being compliant and obedient and sort of you know not calling them out. Um, so I think that once you start taking action um, in whatever way you can. I think you you see the potential in people and the potential of people for change. So I think, yeah, I, I do feel optimistic, not, not only in terms of like what we can achieve, but in terms of like what kind of people that we want to be. You know, I think that's so important. Like we're living a life in a very dangerous time. And throughout history, people have lived through dangerous times. Not like this one, but they've decided what side they want to be on, what kind of people they want to be. And I think that that's an opportunity for people like just emotionally to decide who they want to be at this time. Mm -hmm.